Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sden. This week, we are going to be reviewing The Hunger by Alma Katsu. Um, as part of our desire to read and review all five Bram Stoker Novel of the Year uh, nominees. Yeah. They're nominees at this point, right? Yeah, they're nominees. I, they do that weird thing. What's the thing they do before they have the nominees? They have... Oh, they like have the a, really like a preliminary. List. What is it? It's yeah, not a the preliminary belt. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So these are uh, the actual nominees. Um, as of right now, Rob and I have read four of the five nominees, and tonight we're going to tell you a little bit about the hunger. Here is the bio for Alma Katsu. She is the author of The Taker, The Reckoning, and The Descent. She has been a signature reviewer for Publishers Weekly and a contributor to the Huffington Post. She is a graduate of the master's writing program at the Johns Hopkins University and received her bachelor's degree from Brandeis University. Prior to the publication of her first novel, Katsu had a long career as a senior intelligence analyst for several U.S. agencies and is currently a senior analyst for a think tank. She lives outside Washington, D.C. with her husband. It's a pretty impressive. That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> That'll be interesting to like, I didn't really think about it as I was reading this book, but like, as we're talking about what happens in this book, it'll be interesting to kind of reconcile the fact that she's been a senior intelligence analyst with like the type of writing we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Like she's got some insight, some, <laughs> some previously unreleased, um, some Intel. Yeah. Donner party stuff. Spoiler. Yeah. This book's about the Donner party. Um, you said that we've read four out of the five, uh, books on the ballot. Just, uh, did some quick math on that while you're reading the bio. That's 80%. That is, I will check while you give people a synopsis. All right. So here's the synopsis, uh, buckle up. It's uh it's a long one and we all know I don't do very well with that. So here we go. Evil is invisible and it is everywhere. That is the only way to explain the series of misfortunes that have plagued the wagon train known as the Donner party. Depleted rations, bitter quarrels, and the mysterious death of a little boy have driven the isolated travelers to the brink of madness. Though they dream of what awaits them in the West, long-buried secrets begin to emerge, and dissent among them escalates to the point of murder and chaos. They cannot seem to escape tragedy, or the feeling that someone or something is stalking them. Whether it's a curse from the beautiful Tamsin Donner, who some think might be a witch... Their ill-advised choice of route through uncharted terrain or just plain bad luck, the 90 men, women, and children of the Donner Party are heading into one of the deadliest and most disastrous Western adventures in American history. As members of the group begin to disappear, the survivors start to wonder if there's really something disturbing and hungry waiting for them in the mountains, and whether the evil that is unfolded around them may have, in fact, been growing within them all along. Effortlessly combining the supernatural and the historical, the hunger is an eerie, thrilling look at the volatility of human nature pushed to its breaking point. I'm going to start by saying that it's a courageous um, undertaking to take something as well-known as the Donner Party and then write historical fiction. Yeah. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure by definition what historical fiction is, because this um, obviously takes some liberties as we talk about the supernatural. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's historical fiction, like here's real people, here's some events, and here's like what we think happened around it, and it tries to kind of follow a, a very um, rigid um, retelling of the story just in, in that fictional way, and what genre it is when you're adding 
um, a supernatural element to it. So, but I do have to say, like, you could also have written a book and it would have been less courageous to be like, oh, here are some settlers who are trying to get to California and here's some bad shit that happened to them. That it wouldn't be under the same like historical scrutiny as something as well known <laughs> as the Donner Party. So I applaud her for undertaking the, you know, going the brave route and trying to tackle something that, you know, even as little kids like we knew about, right? Like cannibalism came up and Donner Party was the first thing that you thought right. of. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be weird if it was like the Bonner Party or something like that. Like something. The, the Bonner Party, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so. Um, yeah. So I'll say right up front that there's probably not much of this book that we can talk about uh, just because, um, you know, spoilers and stuff like that. And the stuff we can talk about is is very rooted in historical, like the register of history. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what we <laughs> what we do before we go into spoiler talk. For sure, yeah. We start off. We're on the road um, with a cast of roughly, uh, I think it's eighty, <laughs> ninety um, travelers. Of which we're you know only like thirty of them are named. It seems thirty of them are named. So um, I know I don't do well. So I actually had to like write down who people were to kind of keep uh, track of this. But there are a, a main cast of characters that I would say is a dozen people deep, right? Yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously there is the Donner family um, that uh, the, the primary characters in that Donner family, the ones that we're exposed to are George Donner, um, who is the we'll called the head of the family and a fairly rich dude that's taking his family cross country. His wife, Tamson, um, which on my notes says Tamson Dinner. This is autocorrect because I was doing all this from my phone as I was reading that. So I'm going to go ahead and correct <laughs> that so I don't call her Tamson Dinner. Although in this book, any one of these people could have been named Dinner. <laughs> wow. Would I was about to. Yeah. <laughs> you went the cannibalism route. I was about to make a joke about when I don't feel like cooking, I have one of those Tamson Dinners. But you took it a much, <sighs> much darker, darker route. Um, Jacob, who is George's brother and, and, you know, kind of takes that secondary role in the family. Um, Tamson, I, I mentioned this is, um, uh, George's wife, um, but not his first wife. And, uh, Alitha Donner is, uh, is probably the only other Donner character of, of kind of importance to the story. Um, there are other kids, uh, other children in the family and stuff, but these are really the main ones that we see. You know, they see the story through their eyes in some way. And I guess that's as good a time as any for me to make one of my first observations about uh, it, I'm guessing it was just like how people were at the time. But like here, you already mentioned that there's, I think, uh, roughly 90 people in this whole party that's traveling to California um, from Missouri. And there was there's so many kids like there's so many kids and i think there's one one of the families was a mother who was a widow who was just her and her kids and i think she had 13 kids that sounds uh that sounds correct and yeah but she was uh she was very you know matriarchal like she was she was one of the toughest women in the party because she had to to be the you know the front runner in her family like in in, in a mm-hmm. lot of cases we do have some women uh, Tamsin is probably one of the most interesting characters in this story, but most of the other women, they're typically described as, you know, kind of cowing behind their husbands, um, which for the time as is, is the probably time, yeah. fairly accurate. And I wish I could remember that lady's name. because She had a really interesting name, too. 
Um, but yeah, she was kind of a kind of a badass. I pictured kind of a larger woman, you know, kind of swatting <laughs> at kids and you know, kind of taking on the men folk. Um, <sighs> by the way, they left from Springfield, right? Was that is no? That, was it Missouri or was it Illinois? They so they left from Independence, Missouri. However, ah, I gotcha. Like the actual like expedition left from Independence, Missouri, but I think a lot of the people originally lived in Springfield, Illinois. Cool. So. I started thinking there's a Springfield, Missouri, too, so I was wondering in oh. my head if I was thinking Illinois, but, yeah. Well, that's the Simpsons, like, there's a Springfield in every fucking state kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, some of the other characters, and we'll kind of run through some of these pretty quickly. Charles Stanton is uh, probably the closest thing we have to a main character in this book, and uh, he's traveling uh, solo, and he is, uh, he's got some things in his past, one particular thing that kind of haunts him through the course of this story. And it's, a, it's a relationship that he was involved in, but it kind of colors some of his interactions with people. There is uh, Mary Graves who is kind of becomes the object of Stanton's affections and also a say more hip um, character in this. Like there are characters who start to see what's happening uh, ahead of what happens. And Mary would definitely fall in that category. There's a Edwin Bryant, who's a newspaper man, uh, who's a pretty good friend of Stanton's. Uh, James Reed, uh, uh, another large business owner and, and fairly well-to-do um, gentleman uh, in his family. At one point, they pick up Thomas, who is a, a, a younger Indian, uh, American Indian, who was uh, paid at one point to be a guide. And that's pretty much the, the main cast, although, as I said, there are at least... 15 other named characters that in some cases serve important roles, but you know, it's kind of like their role comes up and then they're done and you know, you kind of move <laughs> away from them. Yes. And so story wise, plot wise, um, as research, I guess I'm putting this in air quotes. You can't see. Um, I did read the Wikipedia article for the, the Donner party, uh, event in, in American history, just to see, you know, what the similarities to, uh, the, like the real history of, of the Donner party was, um, and so a lot of the story itself follows kind of the historical beats of what happens and the, and the characters are people who actually existed and stuff like that. So I'm guessing that the story is starting out very much like the actual adventure did um, with a kind of very, I guess you could say like lackadaisical adventure through like the Midwest uh, in the beginning where they were, um, I get very optimistic and, and, uh, not super careful about rations and um mm -hmm. keeping time and you know they they weren't taking it as seriously as maybe other uh parties who had done long distance travel in the past had and so the beginning of the book is very casual as far as the traveling goes stopping for days and you know blah 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 that kind of thing um but very early on in the book uh you the tragedy strikes in in the fact that a boy goes missing and uh that that in and of itself with like 90 people back in that day when there was like wild animals and stuff you you probably expected to lose some people along the way but it's when they find the boy that it gets it starts to get disturbing yeah and i think rob's right there is a a, a thread throughout the book that's Here's like the normal trials and turbulations of crossing the country at that time, in that, in that era, and the challenges that come across. And then every now and then there's a little bit of weird shit sprinkled in, right? Like, so what Rob didn't say is that that boy goes missing and they find him, but it definitely does not appear to be what a, how a normal animal 
would have um, attacked and killed this child. So, like, some questions start to come up, and people are like, no, no, it was probably wolves, you know? And then you go on, and they, they move on, and they cover a lot of other miles. And then there's, like, weird things in the tree. Almost looked like a person, but it was probably just wolves, you know? So you get this really kind of slow buildup into the, call it because it's mentioned in the synopsis, the more supernatural elements that, that uh, come into play in this story. I think one thing that I appreciate about the way this story is told is that the supernatural stuff is introduced gradually and, and it kind of intensifies as the peril of the, of the journey kind of intensifies too, as if like the more unsure their fate is, the more trouble they experience from a supernatural perspective. But the first sign of, of things aren't what they should be. Like Livius was saying with this boy and how, it didn't look like an irregular animal attack was that uh, they the boy goes missing and several miles down the road is where they encounter his remains, which uh, you wouldn't imagine like either. That means that basically like whatever was doing this to the boy either was keeping pace with them or was going ahead of them or something like that, which didn't seem like a normal animal would do. Like they would just like take the boy, do their business and move on, not take the boy and like move down the road and then do their business. So it, it started to raise question marks uh, uh, early on, but in a very subtle way. Yeah. I mean, one of the things this book did really well, I think was kind of building up um, the anticipation of some potential reveal slash showdown. Right. Um, the other thing it did really well is I think that she, did a great job in like looking at relationships. So like I said, you know, as, as I indicated, right, like you kind of got like where everybody's standing was and what the expectations were in that time of, um, you know, a businessman with money is the one that's in charge. You know, you've got the the husbands that are the, the head of the family and making all the decisions. But then you have stronger female characters that either in some cases push back against that or um, circumvent in in Tamsin's case, she kind of does what she wants, um, you know, but you also have like relationships, right? We mentioned Stanton and Mary Graves and their kind of budding relationship through this. But then there's other things, too, that I don't know, like, how I want to phrase this. There are elements of things that pro so if you, someone wrote a book about the Donner Party, like six months after the event, like you wouldn't have covered. And some of these, I'm not sure how many of them are historically accurate or not, but like there's a character who comes to terms with the fact that he's gay or he's trying to come to terms with it, you know? So there's that sprinkled in there for a little bit more of a, a reality feel to it. There is, um, you know, hints and allusions to, um, you know, child molestation and, and young brides and, and all the things that I don't know if we were reading this story written a hundred years ago, would we have gotten those things? And again, I'm not sure how historically accurate they are, but it was, uh, it was interspersed in there in a way that made you feel like, like the characters were being fleshed out as more than just people traveling. Right. So, you know, on the surface, it's a commandeering, you know, father, head of the family, cowed wife, whatever you know what i mean but you really got a, a, like a deeper look into these people and i think that 
she did a good job developing those main, you know, we'll say eight to 10 characters um, where she gave them a lot of depth and didn't just make them, you know, settlers on the road. Yeah. And some of that was just done in the moment where characters are talking about stuff and other times kind of laced throughout the book uh, were like flashback chapters where an entire chapter was a longer uh, exploration of a specific kind of uh, skeleton in someone's closet from their past where we go back to, I mean, some point even like five or six years in the past where it's a chapter about um, like uh, Livius was saying, the character who is uh, coming to terms with being gay, like that has a flashback chapter. Um, some of the darker things in Charles Stanton's past has a, has a flashback chapter to it. The Tamsin Donner character. And so you get some pure, um, like story fortification from these flashback chapters while other parts are just kind of casually revealed in the moment kind of dialogue and stuff like that. Um, but that definitely did, uh, build the story to be more than just a retelling of a really fucked up historical event. And I really appreciated that. Um, in the afterward, the author did say that she did take, uh, I don't remember exact words, but basically like, some serious liberties with the story in order to build it into the, the narrative that she wanted it to be. And so she's even acknowledging that like, you know, um, she's, she's fabricating a lot of stuff, but uh, anybody who's familiar with the story, will see how much of it actually still rooted in like the history history of, of the, the journey. So um, yeah, well-balanced I think. And she did a good job of pacing that character development and, um, and threading it, into the plot. I don't want to take us out of talking about this, but what the hell is a teamster? I, I yeah. like I want to look that up because I I thought that was just like the uh, the union kind of thing, but they did definitely mention that they were teamsters. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that might merit googling. No, no here we go. Originally, the term teamster referred to a person who drove a team of draft animals, usually a wagon drawn by oxen, horses, or mules. Hmm. So the common, uh, this term was common by the time of the Mexican-American War in 1848 and the Indian Wars throughout the 19th and early 20th century on the American frontier. So there you go. It straight caught me really off guard the first time I read it because I was just picturing like, like a union worker, like the pipe layers union <laughs> yeah. or something like, I'm not sure exactly who, who the teamsters union is, but yeah, it was kind of a, it caught me off guard and I figured there had to be a different description. It just never, I never got around looking it up till now. So yeah, teamsters, totally teamsters in this book. <laughs> so, um, plot wise, the, the story follows, uh, pretty faithfully the actual like events of the Donner party. And one of the most tragic things is they had counted on, um, this dude whose last name is Hastings, who basically had said, Hey, I know everybody that's trying to go West has been going in this one kind of established particular route. Um, but I discovered this other way that will save you. I think it's like 150 miles or something like that of travel. And he, he basically said like, this is my route. This is the way to go. And, um, uh, the whole Donner party had set out and, and established their loose timeline based on, um, how that alternate route was going to kind of assist their journey. At least that's kind of what you um, come to learn. Uh, but then as they start to face 
uh, some hardships and stuff like that, it becomes clear that maybe it wasn't the right choice. Um, and that's part of history, but it's also like a pretty crucial um, changing point in the story when things really start to go bad. Yeah. And no surprise. I think everybody knows how the story ends, right? I mean, for the most part, like the Donner Party. Yeah, with those uh, Tamsin dinners that I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Um, yeah, that's it, plot-wise. That's all we can talk about. I mean, you know, they encounter... Um, I shouldn't say they encounter. Um, one character splits off from the group. So we, we get some information from Edwin Bryant, who goes off um, kind of in search of... It's like Indian folklore, really, right? Like, that's he wants to meet this tribe. And in in his travels, we start to find out some things about the supernatural elements that are impacting the the Donner party that he split off from. So that pretty much covers um, everything we can talk about, I think, from a plot standpoint. Are there any other characters or any other themes you want to cover before we do spoiler talk? Well, there's one kind of general notion that uh, you got close to talking about before that I just... One of the things that had come up multiple times throughout reading this story was my thought of um how much i don't want to say it mob mentality but like kind of a viral thought um like perception was absolutely reality back in the day i guess is what i'm trying to say so um people who even in the synopsis said that she's suspected of tamsin uh donner is suspected of being a witch and like a lot of people just avoid her because they, you know, that because people are rumor, it's a rumor. Then it's got to, there's got to be something to it. And then as weird stuff starts to happen, it's easier to blame her because she's suspected to be a witch, and so that's obviously got to be the thing. And so, like back in these these days, um, the truth wasn't necessarily as important to people as as just like what seemed like it. You know, the explanation that most people were were gathering around is that accurate yeah i mean i have you know i have a couple of thoughts on that um so my first thought is i totally agree with you right like just this mentality and and at the time you know people that's not too far removed to time from like witch trials yeah (laughs) right (laughs) where not just like you gossiped about someone maybe being a witch like people actually acted on it but in the course of this book the interesting thing is, is that we know there's a supernatural element that you and I are not talking about, right? Right. But there's a character, and because it happens really early on, I want to talk about Alitha, who is George Donner's um, daughter by his first marriage, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, yes, yeah, she's one of the okay. older kids, yeah. Yep. She can hear ghosts. Yep, straight up. So, <laughs> so I know I just threw that out there, but it happens pretty early on, and, and it's not... In the course of the book, I'll say that it's accurate because the things that she hears are warnings of things that do actually happen. So the reason I bring this up in is in this particular instance, which isn't something I thought about until you started talking about that, you know, essentially, I'm just paraphrasing, right? Like, it's kind of silly. They all thought she was a witch. If there's someone that hears ghosts in the course of the story, is it really that unbelievable that Tamsin could be a witch? And this is the part, (laughs) when you add a supernatural element to a historical tale, does that then change the the perception, right? Because now, so let's take this a different route. 
if we have that information in, in the course of the story, that's canon and it's true that she can hear or talk to dead people or whatever you want to say it. Then if four chapters later, like Tamsin curses somebody and something bad happens to him, do we find it as implausible as if we read that in a straight up 100% historically accurate account? Sure. Well, I guess yeah. I'll give, I, well, I didn't give the example that I was thinking of because uh, it, it maybe spoils things a little bit. But the other example is just like Stanton's past and how like he basically got dealt a, a, a bad card because um, a rich guy did a bad thing, but he was rich enough to make people believe that Stanton mm-hmm. did the bad thing. Yeah. And then everybody, he there was nothing that Stanton could do about it because that's just, you know. People believed it. Stan, yeah, I don't want to give anything away, but Stanton's interesting because I understand like his whole, I don't want to take this offline. Maybe we'll talk about it in spoiler talk, but like, I get why he played along and like his guilt, not just at the event that happened, but like how the rest of it went down. Yeah. That's probably a spoiler talk thing, but yep. um, yeah. So I guess that's kind of my thing is like, if, so if, uh, if I wanted to get Livius in trouble, um, I would put one of my belongings in his, you know, his, his, uh, wagon or whatever. And I'd call him a thief. And because my belonging was in his, his wagon, everybody would be like, oh yeah, he's a thief. And, and that was, that played a, a pretty big part in, in the way that people acted because you're, what else, you can't just be like, well, I'm not hanging out with you guys anymore. You're in the middle of like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. nowhere. That's, <laughs> like, that's a good point. You just yeah. got to kind of do what you can to survive <laughs> also yeah. you're not a thief you never put anything from mine in your wagon not that you're aware of mm-hmm. um yeah so let's uh let's go over to spoiler talk i think there's some things um both plot wise that merit discussion and then i have some i don't know what the word i'm looking for is some questions about the approach to this book so uh for those of uh you that are uninitiated patreon.com slash booked it's where we put spoiler talk it's where we talk about all those parts we dance around in um <laughs> in these reviews which is so weird because we went so many years without doing spoiler talk and and i'm really glad that we do it but i always feel like like we're doing spoiler talks people now look if you want to go donate that's cool dollar a month gets you spoiler talk and our gratitude and if you don't that's cool too but at least it gives us a place to talk about these things which then helps uh, me and i think sometimes rob kind of form our overall idea and sometimes can change um you know even my rating on a book based on conversation we have so we're gonna go do that now and we'll be back momentarily all right we are back from spoiler talk where we talked a lot about spoilers and hashed out some thoughts and yeah this is just one of those books that we can't talk about much of the important mm-hmm. stuff so like if you want to know the deeper like you're going to hear stuff in in our wrap-ups and you'll be like where did that come from we talked a lot in spoiler talk about the things that probably help solidify our feelings about this so once again not to belabor a point patreon.com slash booked dollar a month really not anything big And I'll say it again every now and then I say, hey, this gets you all of our spoiler talk from as long as we've been doing it, which is dozens of books. So uh, that first dollar, that first month, you're getting (laughs) you're getting a hell of a value if you haven't listened to any of that spoiler talk before. Very, very true. Um, I think we're ready to move into wrap ups. Yes. Yeah, go for it. (sighs) 
I have to do this. I have to tiptoe through my wrap up as to not give anything away. Um, I very recently, I mean, for a while, but even more recently, I've really like been enjoying period pieces. And that's mostly in, in the form of um, a TV series or um, TV movies, uh, Amazon Prime stuff. Um, and so this this came along at, at a perfect time where I'm, I'm kind of really into fiction um, that took place, you know, 150 years ago or, or whatever. Uh, and I've read other historical fiction. I just don't know how much historical fiction I've read that had a supernatural bend to it. Um, the Donner Party story lends itself to that because it's kind of weird, right? Like people wind up eating each other like that. That That's not a far. Cannibalism is not a far stretch from moving into the supernatural as far as I'm concerned. Um, it happened. It happens um, still, I'm sure, to this day in some parts of the world. Um, but it was uh, it, for me, it was really interesting to, to go on a journey with these folks and see what kind of challenges they had and what the times meant for things like relationships and people's stations in life and like the hierarchy of um, who gets to make the decisions and what that's based on. And then obviously you've got the Stantons in this book that are the the voice of reason, even when everybody else is kind of, you know, trying to muddle way, their way through it. Katsu did a great job at building anxiety. So we talked a lot, spoiler talk, about the end and how, from a historical standpoint, I mean, a lot of us know that the Downer Party did not end well. We'll leave it at that. But through the course of the book, as the their journey kind of disintegrates or becomes something completely different than what they thought it was going to be, um, she did a great job kind of building that anxiety. And, and I was anxious at parts. There'd be a group that says, well, we're going to split off and go for help. And something deep inside me was like, no, no, don't do. No, this is bad. Like, you don't don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and she did a good job of making me, you know, yell in my head at the characters that they're making a bad decision. Uh, the supernatural stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure where I land on the supernatural stuff in this book. Um, there is a great, brilliant scene right towards the very end um, that's that's pretty much attributed to that. Um, and the scene um, on its own outside of the book is is phenomenal. But overall, I'm just not I'm not sold on the way the story was told. So I think there are a lot of great elements. I think she's a great writer. Um, I think she character development was terrific i mean I, the prose was was great it, it didn't lack any of that it just kind of missed the mark for me and i guess on what i was hoping to get out of a supernatural horror fiction um historical fiction book so when i weigh all that and i pull out the the calculator the same one i figured out by the way you were right 80 percent was correct i did uh, do the math on that using the same calculator this is going to come in at 3.25 stars for me there just weren't enough of those Tamsin dinners in the story for you. It's very true. <laughs> very, very true. I don't know why I latched onto that joke. I just thought it was great. Um, yeah, it, this is going to be an interesting one to, to kind of wrap up because even as Livius was saying his wrap up, I was really still solidifying my thoughts on the book. And, and overall, um, if I were to tell someone about it, like if someone said, hey, what's the last book you read? Which happens a lot on dating sites, um, because I, you know, I, I talk about books in, in my profiles, mm -hmm. and so like, hey, what's the latest book? And I should just take that shit out because I don't want to have to fucking explain all the time. Like, 
<laughs> let them discover later that I review books or whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, if I had that question, I feel like I would speak very favorably, favorably about the book. And it's because um, I feel like Katsu did a great job of taking an infamous story from the history of the United States in a, in a period that is pretty far removed from us now and um, creating a good narrative of that story with um, great character development. I feel like one of the best parts of the book is how invested I got in the major characters that were presented. And so a lot of favorable things about this book. Um, I think that along with Livius, I'm going to kind of side with him on the whole supernatural thing didn't hit the way that I would hope. Um, and it wasn't that I was looking for, and I don't, I don't think Livius was either. I wasn't looking for like some weird gore fest or, or, or something like that. Um, it's just the way that it was layered into the story. I felt was a little bit off, off the mark. Um, but again, could just be me. Could just be me and Livius had a, had a specific reaction to it. Um, I thought that it might be good with a little bit more ambiguity about what was going on. Um, and I hope that doesn't spoil, that doesn't spoil anything. So anyway, great uh, narrative. Uh, I feel like it was a very good use of a historical real life event as like a, as a setting for the story that she wanted to tell and the character development by far the absolute best part of the book, uh, incorporating themes that even happen today, like the, um, the fear of, uh, coming out as gay and stuff like that. Um, historically, I didn't know the word faggot as a, as a gay, slur went back that far in history but that was definitely used in the book so that was a little surprise to me yeah i did i i didn't i had forgotten about yeah. it until you said it but yeah i thought the same thing it was in like teamsters it caught me a little off guard but i will say in reading her um afterwards she did say a good amount about what kind of um first of all research went into writing a book like this but also the people who she had um, fact-checking for historical accuracy and stuff like that. So I'm going to just go ahead and assume, since it made it into the book, that that's, you know, historically accurate. And I don't know, it makes me want to go back and watch, like, Deadwood or something and see if anything like that <laughs> came up in there. <laughs> but anyway, I'm kind of getting off the point. Um, uh, very good story, well-characterized, um, an interesting supernatural uh, element that, uh, I don't know, you could like as well. So overall... I'm going to give this 3.75 stars just to be weird like Livius. All right. Um, you're doing the math. I know you're doing the math. You know, no, no, it's three and a half. But I was looking <laughs> at some um, Amazon reviews because I was thinking, like, are we are we off the mark? And I'm just trying to figure this one out. So I'm going to go through this and you may edit this out if it's not. So it's a one star review. From Shoban, I always have trouble with this name, and it's coming Siobhan. up more and more. Yes, thank you, Shoban. Right? It's Rant. is it S I O B H A N yes. or whatever? Yes, Shoban. Yeah. It's like with an F. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have greatly enjoyed Alma Katsu's The Hunger. This is a one star review. Okay. <laughs> Why one star for a five star book? I have greatly enjoyed Alma Katsu's The Hunger. Characterization, suspense, plotting, and historical ver. Oh man, 
verisimilitude. Verisimilitude? Thank you. I see I can't say it even after you said it. Have been generally excellent, so why one star? Chapter 30 begins, 1831, through the window of his grandfather's Victorian, and then in parenthesis brackets it says house. Someone for the love of God informed the author that as Victoria was not yet Queen of England in 1831, there were no (laughs) houses at the time known as Victorians. This refers to a style of the 1880s. His grandfather's Victorian is adding insult to injury. His grandfather would have been born in the 18th century. Such a glaring (laughs) anachronism, yet the author clearly did her research about the Donner Party. Fire your editor. Wow. This is somebody that should never, um, never have a like a book review podcast. Because, I mean, if that's what takes a great book from five to one star, that's fucking brutal. That's amazing. Yeah. That's one of so, those things, though. Like, that's like a uh, like if you're a grammar Nazi. Sure. Which I, I think that the term grammar Nazi is a little harsh. Let's take the word Nazi out of it. Um, like if you're just like a really harsh on people, I think it's perfectly okay to punch grammar Nazis right in the face. So I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that's one of those things where it's like, y- y- obviously this person is passionate about something and it's an insult to them personally that it's just not represented properly. And I get it. I'm, I'm that asshole a lot. Um, but for seeing this particular asshole, it's like, dude, just calm down a little bit. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, I caught it and I, cause the first thing I saw was <laughs> I have greatly enjoyed the book, but it's a one star review. And I'm like, did this person just click the wrong, like, you know, but then I read this and I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty fucking significant. Like, holy shit. I mean, the number of typos that we've seen and sometimes it's because of arcs, but there've been fully published books yeah. Oh, yeah. publishers. And I know sometimes you mention it. I don't like. To me, you know, it would have to really take me out of the story. It would have to be that bad. To... So this person who knows their house is apparently a real estate agent of some sort. I guess I don't know. What to like. <laughs> Just... oh, anyway, they, they, they belong to like a historical society or something. This book, by the way, 3.9 stars. So just a tad higher on uh, on Amazon than we came in. Hey, good for us or them or whoever. Yeah. So... Here's the question, Rob, and I, I want you to, to, to think about this. And, and we talked a lot in spoiler talk about a different situation that I'm not going to cover here. Um, but would you do it? Would you would you eat, you know, I don't know, like a thigh from like one of your coworkers if you were in some kind of situation where that's that's all you had left for sustenance and you were dying? Like, I'm glad I listened to the whole thing because it was just like, would you do it to try it? That's a different question than would you yeah. do it? Or die. All right. All right. Well, okay. But to be fair, all right. I'll, I'll follow up question. Would you do it just because? Like, like it's literally. Well, if you've been following the news, there's this um, cruise ship that's been hit really hard by storms in uh, outside Norway. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, like, if it's day one of that storm, like, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, someone got hit in the head with a thing. We're not sure if we have enough food, so we're considering if we run out of food. <laughs> Would you eat one of your fellow shipmates? And you're like, well, I'll just do it now. Like, that's one question, I guess. But the uh, other one is, if this is it, man, like, like you know, you're starting to get, I don't know what you would develop from not eating, but you're getting to the point where you know this is the only way to survive. How hard of a decision would that be for you to make? So if I'm like, I feel like if I was in the Donner Party, I'd be like, well, I'm just going to eat because everybody else already is like a, just a bandwagon kind of thing. Uh, no, I'll take your question seriously. I feel like I would. I feel like in that situation, 
unless there were zombies outside, then I'd be like, well, I'm going to die because there's zombies outside. But if it was just like eat people or die, I feel like I would. Um, yeah. It, I wouldn't just because someone got hit in the head by a thing, like yeah. you said. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, it sounds like I would qualify. Well, they're going to go to waste. But, well, yeah, you don't want to, you know, waste not, want not. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that's it, it's weird, man. Like, I, I don't I don't even know how much trouble I would have with it, to be to be honest. Like, I, we, we live in a world. Um, you and I live in a world where, like, we've probably never known, like, legit hunger, right? Like, maybe at work you didn't get to take lunch. You know yeah, what I mean? Right, but right. The, the, the vast majority of people do not go hungry to the point where like eating weird shit comes up. Like yeah. you may have to eat stuff that maybe is a little past its expiration date or man, this bread's kind of stale, but I'm hungry and I've got sandwich meat. So, you know, but it, it's I, I don't even know that it would be like we think about it and it's horrific. And obviously it's not something I want to do as a delicacy because I'm traveling to some other part of the world, you know, or, or whatever. But yeah, I think the vast majority of people probably wouldn't have as much of a problem with it as we think we would. In that desperate, desperate moment, uh, obviously you're also just not going to be thinking. Like, you're going to be so consumed with the idea of just, I need to eat something, that, like, you know, rational thought is definitely not on the menu at the moment anyway. So I feel like that, when you're in the situation, the decision process has to be entirely separately, you know, because... Like right now, man, I, I ate pretty well before we started recording this and I've got like a nice beer in front of me. So human flesh is like weeks, weeks away. <laughs> yeah, at least. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and, and again, I don't even know under what situation. I mean, I guess today there are those people who like get lost hiking and stuff, you know, where there's search parties right. out for days yeah. looking for people. So, I mean, I guess I guess it could in theory happen. Um today it, it seems far less likely than in a time where like the fastest thing you could have was a horse. Yeah. I guess here's my question back to you then. Would you in a situation do the father, son, holy rabbit scenario? Do you remember that story? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do. I, I don't know if I want to spoil that for anybody. Um, God, that's really tough. I, I absolutely think I would. Yeah, I mean, probably. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll tell you that I'm in a situation like in 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 not like currently, but I mean in my life where like I don't even want to think about it enough. You know what I mean? Of being, but yeah, sure. I, I I probably I probably would. Yeah. For anybody um, who wants to know what we're talking about, check out the Stephen Graham Jones story, Father Son Holy Rabbit, which is in I think a, a couple different anthologies that are floating around out there. For sure. All right, are we going to put a fork in the hunger? <laughs> Good job there. Yeah, I think so. All right. But there's we got some other stuff to talk about this time. Well, we, well, we had some other stuff to talk about last time. We were just like 20 minutes <sighs> too late to, to, to cover really super relevant stuff. I don't know if I properly expressed to you how fucking annoying it is <laughs> when yep. this happens. So last week we posted the uh, inspection review, and we were super careful to make sure that it was edited and posted in a timely fashion so that the the review would drop when the book dropped so that, you know, people had an opportunity to hear our review, like, as fresh as possible. And what happened because of that, Livius? <laughs> we were, I think it's 40 minutes um, too late to cover a, a number of things that happened. So at the end of the last episode, for anybody that listened, I was like, 
really want to know where Josh is going to go next. I'm really worried that he's playing in too many genres. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Well, it didn't take very long to find uh, the answers to all of those questions um, uh, via a Facebook post from Josh Mallerman himself. Yeah, so one of the things that I'm excited about and interested to see how this plays out is that he uh, officially announced that in October he'll be releasing Mallory, which is a book about the ty- the the main character from Bird Box taking place in the Bird Box world, I guess. But my impression is it's not necessarily like a direct sequel. But it, you know what I'm saying? But it takes place after Bird Box. Yeah. Know, so, yeah. I, well, I mean, obviously Mallory's in it. Yeah. And um, we are going to, which the vindication, oh, the vindication, so good. Expect to hear clips um, eventually when we have Josh on. <laughs> From me asking Josh, like, come on, you know what the monsters wanted, right? Him, like, ducking the question and me challenging him on it to saying, we're going to shed more light on the monsters. That son of a bitch knew. He knew the whole fucking time, Rob. That's all I'm saying. He knew the entire time what those monsters were up to. And that's why we have a sequel. Are you going to borrow, like, David James Keaton's, like, tape recorder so that you can, like, (laughs) click play at key moments? (laughs) Yes. Do you remember when you said this and I'm going to play it and be like, how about now? What do you got to say now about that? Um, but yeah, I mean, he said it was a sequel to bird box. So I, I, I'm, oh, okay. I'm comfortable with it um, being a sequel. It's going to be interesting to see what he means by that. Um, will this pick up where the, the story left off? Um, will it be many years in the future? Will it be kind of during, will we see more Mallory? So bird box had that then and now scenario. So we saw the, you know, we'll call it the, right. the outbreak, you know. Um, and then, you know, five years later, I believe it was four years later, whatever it was. You know what I mean? Will mm-hmm. we see a back and forth? It, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, strike while the iron's hot. That's what I say. So um, Bird Box, huge success as a movie um, rocketed back onto the New York Times bestseller list. This is a uh, I imagine and I could be wrong, but I imagine Mallerman sitting at home. The day it comes on Netflix, he watches it. He's super excited, right? He sees it. Then he starts seeing all the social media around it. And he realizes it's not just people he knows, that mm-hmm. it's people. And he's like, I, I've got to go. I grabs his laptop and goes up to his, you know, whatever, his little writing room. It just starts banging out the sequel. That's how I'm picturing this went down. He goes back to, remember he was telling us when he was writing Bird Box, he was in that like weird mansion with like mm-hmm. the really yep. open like ballroom that he was writing in and the yep. birds were flying around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe those birds are still there. They could be, but yeah, he was like, "Oh, do I have an idea?" <laughs> so good for him. But I'm excited. But that's not the only news that that popped like over the course of the next few hours after that. Yeah, because like the other thing was, um, so we knew that Unbury Carol had gotten option to be a movie mm-hmm. in the past. So that was something that we were already aware of. But apparently, also Black Mad Wheel now, right, is option to be a movie. Correct. Yes. So that's awesome news. But again, news we got, you know, after we had finished recording our episode. So uh, it's just going to be all Mallerman from here on out, apparently. Well, and the the same company that's, uh, I guess, that's going to be making um, uh, Black Mad Wheel um, also has an original script from him called Only Children. So that's super wow. interesting because yeah. that would mean a new Mallerman story. So 
Bird Box, Sunbury Carol, Mallory's a sequel, but this, this is this is an original new story that's not something that we're already somewhat familiar with. So yeah, a lot of exciting stuff happening for for Josh and uh, a really nice guy. I mean, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. For sure. Um, that's not the only news though. Uh, we so Livius and I did something very uncommon last night uh from when we're recording this well we're not going to talk about that on the podcast no 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 not no i'm talking about uh we hung out (laughs) oh yeah 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 yeah, we totally so um i'm not talking about the uh tamsin dinner that we had together uh no we uh we actually got together in person and spent time together because uh friend of the podcast rob roberge um is in chicago living now and so we went and uh, spent a little time, a couple hours, hanging out with Rob and just catching up on things, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was really cool to. Um, so we met Rob um, previously um, twice. Once was at a, a book signing, you know, just kind of a hey, looking forward to reading your book, sign this book. And we were at AWP. And then uh, he was at a reading in Chicago. Oh, a while ago, it was four years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we hang out for a little bit afterwards. I think we were kind of all outside smoking at the time, you know, and, and whatever. But this time we got to hang out and uh, it was really good to know to get to know him a little better and to kind of get a little bit uh, more of an insight into into him as a person. And I'm super happy that we did it. It was uh, it was terrific. Yeah. One of the things I like most about those, like when we get to hang out with the authors, especially like not even if we've necessarily reviewed them or read their books, but just like they have a different perspective in the industry than we do, but we have so many similar thoughts about things because we've kind of witnessed the same things. And so it's cool to have an author's take on some of the things that we've been talking about. And it's cool to see an author's reaction to some of the thoughts that we have about things. And so um, from that perspective, it was just cool to catch up on things. But at the same time, it was, uh, it was cool to, uh, just hang out with a friend. Yeah, all that was great, but really, Rob's bearing the lead because there's also an announcement to be made here. Yeah, so anybody that's uh, Chicago local who's listening to this, um, Saturday, April 6th, 7 p.m., Volumes Book Cafe in Wicker Park, um, Rob Roberge is doing a, uh, a release, like a book release party for his the paperback version of his memoir, Liar. And um, he was nice enough to ask me to join the event uh, where I will be doing a little Q&A with him as part of the event. Yeah, I don't want to give any details away, but um, it's not going to be just a reading. So there's some other cool things happening there. So it sounds like a lot of fun. And for sure, if you're in the Chicago area, you should definitely make your way down there. Um, It looks like an interesting place. We were looking at pictures of it online before we recorded this. So it definitely looks like it might be a cool place to hang out and uh nothing else get to meet uh, the robs the the two robs in my life rob olson and rob roberge <laughs> yeah um looking forward to it i don't do like i think this is the first i know this is the first time i've done a book related event uh sans livius and so it's a little bit uh different um <laughs> the funny the interesting note volumes book cafe on their website said that we would be recording the event um even before we had even considered recording the event so I may kind of can't. You know what? I'm not going to guarantee it. You got to come out. You got to come out and see the event. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it definitely sounds like a good time. And uh, if for nothing else, um, shake Robert Bears' hand. He's a he's a he's a really cool dude. So, 
Yeah, I, yeah, it's you on your own, man. Like, I'm wondering if this is going to be like where you're just doing a book review podcast on your own after this. Like, if you figured out that you don't need me anymore for stuff. <laughs> like I do, like a Fergie thing with black eyed peas, yeah. and I yep. just kind of roll. I don't even know if that's an appropriate reference, but. I, um, I, well, I mean, it is, right? Like, she, she became more, she went she was solo, more yeah. popular on her own, yeah, than she was with them, and she was still, like, doing stuff with them. So, yeah, it, it could be. All I know is that I'm pretty sure that if it wasn't me, like, messaging you about times and stuff, that it might take you longer to get around to reviewing books than I feel like a lot of times. Yeah. I'm, like, you're like, fuck, this guy's going to be pissed if I'm not done with this book. <laughs> so That's true. I, I might be a motivating factor in uh in in getting these reviews done so yeah i think i do some of my best like my most productivity comes out of like fearing i'll disappoint someone yeah there you go so what i listen we all have our things right that that get us through the day and if fear of disappointing others is yours if it's photo (laughs) then uh very good sir very good yeah yeah so um yeah that's it um next week next week um we're not reading a book Next week, we'll be telling you about all the shit that came out right after we finished recording this. Exactly. Yeah. Now I go on a, a two-hour binge to find out what's newsworthy after we're done. So, uh, um, But yeah, there will definitely be an episode next week. There's also going to be um, an appearance, I think, forthcoming on Seth Harwood's podcast on his Patreon. So that'll be interesting. It's been a long time since Rob and I have uh, graced another podcast with our presence. It's been years, as a matter of fact. I think the last time was uh, well, it was probably This Is Horror or Books, Beer, and Bullshit, right? Did I mean, we, yeah, I was going to say. This, yeah. We, yeah, I forgot Books, Beer, and Bullshit. Um, that was after This Is Horror, so that's the newest one. Yep. So uh, that's something you may want to look at. We haven't confirmed a time, but Seth is down and we're down. So we're going to go loan our uh, sultry voices um, to somebody else's airwaves for a little bit. So that'll be fun. Who knows? There might be a recording of the Rob Roberts reading coming up next week is kind of a big deal for us. So we'll talk more about that next week. And uh, that's all I've got, Rob. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. Sorry, I was taking a picture of the foam on my beer. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's, all right. gonna, that's, that's cool. I'm going to show you. It's great. Uh, I think it's worthy of interrupting the talk. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> You're like, fuck you, Rob. I'm just like, it's cool. Sometimes I do my taxes while we're recording. So, I mean, we all have things we do. Are you doing your taxes right now? No, but I haven't done my taxes and I probably need to. Tell me if you see a pattern in the the bubbles. All right, let me blow this up a little bit. Um, yeah, I could see that kind of like spooky, ghostly yeah. two eyes, <laughs> wide open mouth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, right. And so, uh,